So welcome guys to this second instalment of our interview with Mark Schofield. The spectators have now moved to the hot tub. For those of you with a really acute ear, you might have picked up the dripping noise of it filling during the first half. The garden studio is still in full swing and uh, Scof is now going to go on to talking about um, topics that kind of come in after his competitive career his time in and around the surf industry, founding a wetsuit company and then getting involved with one of the biggest companies of the 2000s, the travel that that brought about, and then, of course, further complications with his kidney transplants. This amazing life story, of course, wouldn't be what it is without those challenges, and it's really interesting to hear about how Scope dealt with that as it came around for the second time in his life. And then eventually we're going to get right up to date with his opinions on modern surfing which are multifarious and fascinating to hear so uh, thanks for the first half scope and we're all looking forward to the second Welcome back to uh, part two of uh, the Mark Schofield interview. And we left off last time talking about how great it was to be a surfer uh, in the days gone by. And uh, but it wasn't it wasn't always uh, sunshine and, and roses, Mark. And some things were slightly more difficult, such as a, a trip to the north of Scotland. Yeah, we did a trip. When we um, went for the European surf competition, uh, myself and Brad decided to go up earlier with uh, a guy called Chris Chip. And the car he had was a Robin Reliant kitten. Now, what a Robin Reliant kitten is, is exactly the same as a Robin Reliant, except with four wheels. That's the only difference. So it was as light as a feather, it was really small, and it had a... I think it was a 950, but it could have been a 650 engine in it. Like a two-stroke. <laughs> like, literally, like a little ditty engine in the front. Anyway, he reckoned that this thing could get to Scotland. So we strapped our six surfboards on the top of this van, and off we went. We, didn't, we couldn't do it all in one go. We stopped, I think we stopped in Inverness, actually. But I can remember bombing our way up there in this Reliant, and it would go really fast down the hills. And then we'd go really slow up the hills, really slow. <laughs> and if anybody's been to Scotland, which you've all been, they are long, drawn-out roads yeah, once you get past... Yeah. Oh, it's so a long way from Inverness. Where, though, once you it? get past Manchester, Scotland seems like, great, I'm in Scotland, but you've got the same distance to go. And this is all pretty new to us anyway to go up to Scotland. So this little Robin Reliant would bomb up there, and it was so funny. I can remember him like telling us to drive and stuff because he was taking, you know, we were just sitting there for ages and we'd sit on the wheel. I can remember being like white knuckled because we, we couldn't, uh, I didn't have a driving license or anything and we were there driving away, holding on on these roads that were going and they'd go really fast. And if there's a car in front, you'd hope the car would go up the hill before you actually met the car so you didn't have to overtake it. Lose your revs. So you'd be going down the hill like, like the clappers and he'd be going, don't lose your speed, don't lose your speed. And you're going, there's a car in front, there's a car in the front. The Chris Chip School of Motoring. God, yeah, no, it was amazing. And the other thing he used to make us do, 
He used to. Uh, this is. I mean, this was. These. These are just classic times. So Chris because, uh, used to take people on trips. Didn't he? That was oh, his, Chris was uh, great. I mean, and he's chip. Some people live in because he lived in Chippenham. And there were loads of chips. Chris O'Connor, we and, mentioned in the yeah, last. Yeah, and it's a classic Welsh thing, isn't it? Yeah. You, 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 know, you name the people where they come from. So that, that's how he got the name. But I, I got on really well with Chris, and I still do. And so, so did Brad. And um, anyway, what we used to do, we used to either go around his house or he'd take us on trips and he used to make us mow his lawn and stuff before he'd take us to like Aberavon. We had great <laughs> things, but his wife would want him to mow the lawn. So he'd have like four of us there mowing the lawn, sweeping up all of it really quickly and off we'd go then to Aberavon. We'd clean windows and everything for him. But what Chris had done back then, leashes were basically bungee cords. They were bungee cords. So when you fell off, the board could be about three miles away from you, and what you hoped is it didn't come out of the water. If it uh, tombstoned, didn't it? If it was fully like stuck up, and that as it came down, like, it would come back at you faster than than you could believe. It would fire back at you. And Chris used to make these leashes, and these leashes were made from the rubber that goes across the road that used to uh, do speed. Yeah, they like things. one after the other, don't they? Yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's like a pressure thing. They still it? have them now. Again. You see them I think they do counting now, don't they? Okay. Every time we went over one of them, we had to get out and rip it up from the road, <laughs> wind it up, and put it in the car in <laughs> his van. In his van, because what he would do, he'd make a leash out of it, and he he had he had got a way that he could he, he used like a jubilee clip to clamp the end, and then you'd stick it in a vice, and you'd stretch it like as long as you could stretch it and so the cord would go inside the actual leash and then you'd put another clip on the end it was quite if that came out of the vice you knew about it and then you'd put another clip on the end and it would all go back in and there you go you, you, you got a leash then and when we were down in Cornwall we'd have to go and sell them then around the car parks <laughs> for our keep like but in fairness to him when I went with Chris I can remember petrol being 36 he, I don't know whether it'll match it, but I always remember 36 pence a gallon. And he used to charge us like a fiver each, which was, seemed a lot. And we'd go around Cornwall, we'd go everywhere around Cornwall. There wasn't a break that he didn't take us to. We had the map with the winds and everything. And we'd get up in the morning and he'd say, right, we're going here, we're going here. And he used to take us everywhere around Cornwall, everywhere. Anywhere, Constantine was a nice place we, we used to surf, but everywhere he took us. And we used to stop, and then if the car park was full, it was but hop out, boys, go and flog some leashes, go on, and off we'd trundle. Don't buy a leash, mate. And and at the time, I don't think we weren't. Um, all we were was just normal surfers, you know. We were just having a ball. It was like an adventure, if you know what I mean. Rather than now, it's all, you know. We used to use the leashes to hang on the back of bikes, and so if you've got a leash. And you and, and it would guy riding in the front. You'd be like a, on a skiing on a skateboard. You'd be banging. You can see it on the yeah. prom, can't you? Yeah. The guy's riding home, and you're on the back. But he walk skiing on your, yeah. on, on on the bungee, and it and you could pull yourself in. You could go right away. And you could have a bit of power then to to like shoot yourself along. Because we just our parents didn't pick us up. It's not because they were nasty. They just didn't do that sort of stuff. It wasn't sort of the age of, you know, we got to be perfect parents. It was just. You know, I've got kids. Let them live, innit? Let, let them go. Free range kids. Yeah, but it was it was more of an adventure, and we felt because we surfed. I'm sure all of them would say that we felt a little bit different. I would imagine even your dad and stroke your mum felt different when they were back in the day. Yeah. It wasn't sort of like every 
feels like everybody surfs now or gives it a go, don't they? Yeah. You know, everybody is. Well, back when, when we were, they didn't. It was, God, if there was, if there was, if the, if the sea was pumping and there was five officers in the sea, now I'm talking the whole of Rest Bay now, there's five guys in, we would sit in a little bunch and our boards would tangle up because we'd let the leases go, we'd let the boards go because we hadn't learned how to duck dive and all the boards would be tangled up and we'd have to untangle them now. And yet we got the whole of Rest Bay. It just seems mad. It's almost like, wh wh why were you doing that? But we we're li literally like bouncing around right, right by us. Well, that's it. Dad talks about turning up at Rest Bay or any any break, and you kind of sometimes you'd wait for someone to turn up to go serving with them. Rather than now, you aim Absolutely. to avoid them at all costs. Great. You know, I, I I can remember surfing the point, and you'd be ringing people up to to get it. I remember surfing the point before they surfed the point without wind. You know, it had to be a really windy day to surf the point. It wouldn't surf, you know, we'd surf the rest of the day. when it was clean. Just oh, like it could, didn't yeah. even heard of. It was only because, uh, only because one day I can remember going from my house with Mike Schilling, and it, it probably didn't happen exactly like this, but it feels that it did. We went from where my house from, with Mike Schilling, I had taken time off school, so my mother lived down by the point. So instead of going to Rest Bay, we went in the point. And the swell was really good. And the point was pumping. And we couldn't believe we were sitting in the point with no wind. Do you, do you know what I mean? In these sets, and, and it was like classic point. Uh, and we were in there, and there was... I tell you who was in there then. Was it Beasley? Beezer? Beezer. But he was a really good surfer, he, and I can he, remember he, watching him. He might him. actually no longer be with yeah. us, if that's... The, uh, guy he actually about, moved yeah. down to northern Spain. Is that? Yeah. Him? There were a few, weren't there? There was a really good skateboarder as well. Um, he moved down to northern Spain. Sure so you were there with Beza? No, it was, it was just, it was like the four of us were in the sea and I couldn't believe how good it was. And then after that, it felt as if we would always be hunting like we always are if there's a chance. Those days. But in fairness, it was never as busy. If you had ten guys out there, it'd be busy for us. You know, we'd we'd just be phoning each other up. No. And the S was a really good break as well. God, before they built that stupid, uh, well, it's not stupid, but the before the beach. break, you could actually, you could actually try and catch the wave, and it would hit the wall, and it would have a backwash. Yeah. So you could try and come back on the backwash. Wow. And and also we used to surf it more. It could go lower when you surfed it. And we used to surf it a little bit smaller, and it was a lot faster. It was just like a different wave, you know. It didn't do do that bit. They were really good times. They were in the in the Espo. They were good. Now, in last week's episode, the first part of the Mark Schofield interview, um, we left off just um, well after you'd had your first kidney transplant, Mark, and you were getting quite heavily into golf, mm. and you were still surfing, but perhaps not. Um, as much as you were, mm. or with not as much dedication, perhaps, as you yeah. were before that. But it was also during this period that you embarked upon your career in the surf industry. And I've, yeah. I've kind of got surf industry in, in inverted commas at this point. Um, but it, it had started some years earlier, I believe, selling wetsuits out of your out of your bedroom. Yeah. It had started... Originally, it started when uh, your dad, Bob Blythe, came to me and he said, uh, how do you fancy selling? Oh, you were 50, 15, 16? Yeah, I was, I was, 
I was a little older than that, I think. I was a little bit older than that. But he, he, he said, look, uh, I, I know um, Tom Shellock. Tom uh, Shellock. Andy Shellock. And, Andy Shellock. Tom Shellock, so my name is. Is that Second Skin? Yeah, Second Skin. That had the agency skin. for that, I think. And uh, I think he was okay. sponsoring you at the time. Yeah, he, he actually and gave me... And you'd obviously proven he yourself actually gave and your me ability to you. fashion leashes from rubber in the first well, place. Well, so. no, that, that was just... That was just Chris telling us to do crazy <laughs> stuff. Um, no, what he'd done, he'd said that uh, I could sell the wetsuits, and if I sold a wetsuit, I'd get a tenner, so, um, or a fiver or whatever it was. So in my room, I had loads of second skin wetsuits, and at that time, they had, I think Norma's was around, but nobody was really doing wetsuits mm -hmm. in that way, so I was flogging these wetsuits out of, uh, out of my bedroom, basically. They were good, they were... Classic wetsuits, the zip went all the way down to your. Down I, I to grew your up thigh. with second skin wetsuits, and I mean, Andy's still going, he still makes fantastic suits. Yeah, but they're really I remember suits. having kind of inherited those suits that my sister had worn before me and just yeah, spending yeah. the whole day in the sea and not even feeling. I think you felt the water, let alone the cold. Well, and also they were like the zip was down to your bloody nuts, so you, you bloody everything got cold because you were sitting in the water. The only good thing was. Was the boards were slightly more buoyant, so you were a little so bit more. Right. Whereas now they're like up to their chest, and <laughs> they? they're like sitting there, like, oh, you see, look, I can see his chest. So that was that yeah. was kind of your first foray into yeah, the surf yeah, industry. Was, but yeah. you, you tried to hand it a few things. You, you tried to hand it shaping, but you said it was a I bit, did. My bit parents, too smelly. My parents had a caravan in the back garden. I say, like a big caravan in the back garden, and. Uh, what I did was I turned it into a, a shaping room. I decided I wanted to make surfboards. So I had a shaping bay in the end of it in one of the rooms. I'd knocked two in, you know, if you imagine one of those caravans. Each room was, was, a, was a job to make. And I made, I think I only made two or three boards, okay? Now, Brad actually did ride one of my boards. It was a spotted one, I think, Brad had, which was really good of him to just buy it, really, you know, because, you know, he's a really good surfer and he was getting on somebody's board that, you know, looking back on it, they're okay. Well, I'm going to tell you because the original one is actually, I'm in the process, hopefully, of buying it. I got a photo of it. This is a, a running theme in Crest. We've been talking about people keeping yes. and finding their boards yeah. and having old boards. I, I and must not admit. I must admit, I'm not a massive, I'm not a massive one for that. I wouldn't go out. Just this one, the reason why I sort of like this, because, and I'll say why, it came about because I had to go into clinic one day and the lady on reception always talks to me like, she tells me about her son surfing and stuff and all his adventures, and she tells him. And the other day she goes, my son's got your original surfboard you bought. And I went, yeah, 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 you know, like thinking she's just being nice. And I'm thinking, didn't even, didn't even think about it. And she goes, I'll tell you what, I'll bring you a photo of it. Do you know, when I went in the next time, she showed me this photo of this surfboard that was either the first or the second board I'd ever done or I tried to shape. I honestly couldn't believe it. I literally couldn't believe it. She floored me. And that's why now I'm like thinking, yeah, I think I'd like that one. And George can surf it. You can't surf any worse, can he? <laughs> he might surf better on it. A twin fin. Do you see the shape of it? Yeah, a I teardrop. Did, yeah, yeah. A teardrop twin fin with a with a with a swallow with a squash tail. So it's quite um, self-deprecating, I'd say, about the your surfboard shaping. But you you then went on to to find a niche working with textiles and, and of course, yeah. founding the famous 
No limit wetsuits. No limit wetsuits. Yeah. Now, now of Greg Owen. Now Greg Owen. Now that came about because I. It sounds bad now. I did wet. Surfboards are really smelly to do. Mm -hmm. They're even worse than they were now. I think they just because now they've got resin, haven't they? They've got resin that is uh, almost They're odorless. They're working on it, yeah. Odorless, you know. That's part of the fun, though, fresh, yeah. fresh boards, man. Yeah, but it's it, all in your clothes. Yeah. I remember going on, I used to work in a chip shop in um, when Studio One, it used to be the cinema in, in uh, Treco, used to be open. And I worked in a chip shop up there, and I just, like, glassed this board, and I went up there to work, and I went in there, and she goes, what the hell's this smell? I said, what smell? She goes, someone is buzzing in here. <laughs> and I'm like thinking, you can't smell over chips. Can you fish and chips? They buzz, all this stuff. And she goes, someone is stinking in here. And the woman was a really nice woman. She had black hair, I remember really vividly. And I'm sitting there, and my job was to peel the potatoes. And But they had a potato machine, I'd shoved the potatoes in there. And she goes, someone is stinking in this place, and what is it? And it turns out it was me, and I was sent home then to go and get changed because I was buzzing from <laughs> making the surfboards. But, yeah, what I did then, sorry, got, got offline. I, I only just remembered that. Um, I went then, and I decided I wanted to make wetsuits, and I really thought this was a good idea because there weren't... I say there weren't many people making wetsuits. There weren't a lot of people. And I felt that, um, yeah, I, I could make a wetsuit. And I actually knew a guy who was a tailor. And I went to him to show me how to make the patterns and, and, and do that. And I started making wetsuits. I, I, the WDA actually had... The Welsh Development, the Welsh Development Agency. Agency, as it was then. They had a unit in uh, Trafalgar Industrial Estate that allowed textile people to try and set their business up so they could, they could get started. And I went in there and I got on really well with the people that were in there and they had a machine in there that would do it. In fact, they bought the machine in for me to actually do it because yeah. they were all for that sort of stuff. And I started making wetsuits and I enjoyed that. I surfed as well as making wetsuits. There's, there's some pictures of those. There's quite a few people that actually had those wetsuits. They're, they, they, they're, they're actually okay. And I stopped because at that point, what we did was we were myself and Ben then went into ben, Ruddle. Great surfer. He is a good yeah. surfer, yeah. And he was a really good guy. He was. He was a good friend. Ben was. And Ben and me set up a business making no limit wetsuits. And the funny thing about it, back then neoprene has done the same thing. Now again, it's sort of come into to fashion. But back then, uh, we would be making our, our wetsuits, and then we started making all the wetsuits, but just stitching them together, gluing them and stitching them together. That's basically what so we did. So they'd send them to you as like a... So they'd send them all cut up and we would actually stitch them together, you know, uh, sewing and stuff. And that that's really what we started doing. And then we got a, a phone call then from a guy who wanted us to make the uh, knee protectors and arm protectors. And it was just a random phone call, to be honest. And he said, do you, do, do you use neoprene? Yeah, yeah, and he wanted, he, we started making them then, we started making some of them. And that's really how the factory grew. And then it, we stopped making wetsuits when we were offered a factory in Port Talbot making ladies' clothing. And what we did, we took the no limit bit and there was a room that we could put it in. So we put all the, the materials and the machines and stuff we had in the room. 
and we offered Greg an opportunity. Greg was like really keen because what he did, I think he either did the repairs or he came every so often to do stuff and he then started doing it. I can remember once finding him asleep in between the sheets of neoprene. He'd come down because we always wanted him to be there at a certain time if he could. And he come down, he jumped in the, he got in between the neoprenes and he's like fast asleep like a little baby and there he was. But he was only young then, he, he was a young boy. But he then um, set off. We, we, we did have a few occasions that he was, there's a few occasions because our main thing was what we didn't want him to do was we didn't want any grief from it. You know, like, like a hands-off thing. Yeah, it was like, I don't want grief. I don't want people ringing me up telling me you haven't mm. turned up. And there was occasion that he did it, but after that, Greg did it, and look at him now. He makes yeah, a great yeah, wetsuit. And he's, he it on and he's still got the same machines that he had in the beginning, a treasure a blind stitch machine and a triple stitch singer machine. Yeah. And he's still got them. I could still he, repair those machines. And he makes a fabulous wetsuit. He does a good job, Greg. So does. Yeah, he's a good guy. You then grew in terms of your involvement in the surf industry, or, or I suppose the industry you were in grew. We've got the internet, we've got the growth of the surf media, we've got sponsorship, big sponsorship, making surfers and products grow. We've got, you know, Oki. Mm. Uh, Billabong hitched their star to Oki. Quicksilver hitched their star to Slater. The two companies become sort yeah. of stratospheric. Rip Curler hitched to Current. And this then is where you know brad hockridge your buddy yeah yeah Yeah. he's also in and around billabong at exactly the right time gets himself well placed and then you guys end up essentially yeah industry kingpins well really i wouldn't say i said what brad did really well with billabong and when he had finished billabong i think he was all he was doing globe so he he didn't need anything else but someone had offered him the realm to do yeah and it so happened that we were playing football together. And he said one day about getting stuff made. And as it, I, I was actually, I actually knew people that could get stuff made in, in the Far East. Um, Th- this is the, the clothing factory in uh, Leong, spelt with an R, isn't it, in Thailand? Yeah, some of, well, in fairness, there was a lot of factories being used, but yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. guys went over there a few times, you went, you really Yeah, we, we, we went quite a lot. But basically, he showed me a rack of clothes that he had been given by um, one of his guys that Brad knew, and he said, Do you reckon you could get those made? And uh, I said, Yes. And then from there, we sort of met with people and it was a it was a hard job then and i tell you why because we didn't have all of the the instant photos and and all of that we basically had to you know pack the garment up we would send it by small post to get it to thailand they would look at the model i'd ring up on the phone and try and talk it to them now you've got video stuff and all that it's amazing how far it's come from when we did and then we would fly over there visit the people in the factories and off we'd go but and we then had you'd a, fly the other way to california and meet yeah we would we would sometimes it would usually the you know for the meetings and stuff we, we would then go to you know california and stuff but the thailand trips and and that used to be really nice trips yeah. i mean i unfortunately lost some of those when i when my kidney failed again i couldn't i couldn't travel like that again but at that moment it was a really good it was it was again it felt as if we were we were learning again. It was an adventure, you know. It was a full-on adventure. We, so. We're going to come to talking about the fact that there's more 
there, there, there's another big low to come, you know, to come in your story. But right now, yeah. dealing with this high, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about those those days? You know, I mean, you know, you guys were you were meeting Tom Curran. I remember you brought. One one day, one of you was like, "Oh, you know, can you guys go and pick someone up from the airport for oh, us, those, please?" It's a, it's a guy it. called Matt Archbold, and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you were surrounded and, but, and by. And also, it's working with your friends in yeah. what you've already mentioned is a an industry that was kind of running at full air at that yeah. point, wasn't it? It was, it was good times in the surfing. No, industry. when we started it off, when when it was at the beginning, and there was, um, well, first of all, it was, I'm going to say me and Brad, but I had met somebody um, in. Another thing I was doing was hockey shirts. I was getting hockey shirts made, and the person who was designing them, Andrew McLean, he he was my mate. And I said to him, I said, "Oh, Brad, sort of got this real sorted now. This is doing really good." This is good great. Thing. I didn't know some of this stuff. You know, Did, me, I, I, knowing Andrew McLean well, but I didn't know you guys went back. Before yeah, that, yeah. You know, yeah. No, this is a really good good idea now, Andrew. I, I think Brad's got this. I can remember in a in a cafe in in um, Cardiff. And I said, I think Brad's going to do do this good now. He just seems to be be, be on it with it. And he was actually working for, um, uh, he was working for Shine Dog, the company was called, which I had done. We'd made hockey shirts for all the hockey league, basically. And that's what we were doing. I was getting all the hockey shirts made with Andrew was designing them and I was getting them made. And so from that, we sort of, I'm going to say we sort of pinched him from Shannon, but it wasn't quite like that and then Andrew came over first of all just part-time we'd go over his house and we'd go through the whole range bit by bit we'd go to the range and say right we like that we like that we don't like that send it over get it all made and it was basically come in box would come in and you'd think great this you know looks yeah. pretty good and then if things were wrong we'd have to then rejig them and rewrite them but Andrew was then designing it but those times working with Andrew with Brad with, and as it got bigger, it was Rhino, who was an amazing guy to work with. You know, he came on board as well. There was Jen. There was, like, so many people there. This is in the beginning, the very start of it all. It's funny, again, I'm coming back to it. It's almost... you. We always want something bigger, don't we? We always want it to be bigger. But sometimes bigger doesn't make it better. You know, when when I look back when it was, when we were striving to get there, it felt better. I think the classic one is Del Boy, the end of Del Boy, isn't it? You know, yeah. when it, it's almost, you forget that it's the fight, it, it's the journey that is more important fight, yeah. than reaching it. And sometimes when you reach the top, you you people have fallen off and people that you you sort of, you know, were good. It was good times in the beginning. I mean, there's not a company that isn't. Look at Facebook. Look at any of them. Yeah. There's casualties in all of that, isn't yeah. there? And in the beginning, it was great. So, uh, during that period, as we mentioned earlier, surfing had kind of taken a, a bit of a backseat yeah. for you. Did working in this kind of environment oh, no, with that, your friends did it kind of reignite? No, that slope? pulled me back in. Yeah, I, I must. Have, I surfed loads then, and that was one of the beautiful things about it. I can honestly say, for a period of time, for quite a long period of time, to be honest, for a good few years, I was, I was relatively healthy. I, I mean, I wasn't great, but I was relatively healthy in the beginning, and, you know, 
I didn't even care what day it was because if I got up on a Monday and I'd do a surf, I'd go surfing. Yeah. And then we'd have a surf and then we'd go back to work. Mm. And, yeah, you'd be sitting there in the point and it would be good and then I'd suddenly see those three double overhead vans yeah, all we come could down turn and, oh, up. here they come. No, we <laughs> could turn up and, 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 and it was perfect. It, it, was, it was a dream, you know. We worked, I think we worked pretty hard when, when we had to and then... You know, but we could work when when we wanted to. There wasn't like being you at were, nine o'clock. Yeah, you, know, you you were, um, you know, lords, kingpins, dons, whatever you were for a while. You know, I, I remember. Well, I didn't actually feel that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, you I, looked. I remember going to see you guys in the in in the the big trade show in Anglet at the Glees Expo. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And you two were sort of sat at the deep end of the trade show. Oh, the court. In this, yeah. Co- yeah, with with like a queue of little French grands turning up yeah, every now no, and then, I, begging you for a free T-shirt. I don't think it was... Uh, you were saying, oh, you're off to Mandaka tomorrow. Now, Tom Curran showed me how to surf Mandaka properly last yeah, week. You know? sure. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was good. It wasn't quite like that. I don't feel as if I was the dawn light. Because there's people that have... You know, there's people... Ever humble, Scove. That are... You know, there are people, you know, that have done loads more, you know, Quicksilver people. I mean, I've been very fortunate to do the... To sit with the founders of NHS, which is basically the founders of not Nybevan. Oh no, 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 no not Nybevan. No, 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 sorry, Novak. Novak yeah, um, and I don't know all. I don't know the, the company others. that, that independent yes, trucks. independent and, um, trucks Santa Cruz Santa has come Cruz, out of. Yeah. And when you listen to their stories, and you listen to some of them they've done, you know, you sit there in awe, and you can't believe that. You know, they're talking about all the groups, the mummers and papas, and oh yeah, he came round when we were doing this, and when we did these trucks in the beginning. Yeah, but you guys had the Welsh rugby team round. Yeah, you know, I yeah, no, we did. Turning up by the time James Hock was on his way out the door. And... Gannets, the Welsh rugby team. We did. Well, what what happened with the Welsh rugby team was was um, like I'm not a massive rugby guy, so the tickets and stuff didn't really, you know, they'd mm-hmm. they'd give tickets, but they started coming around, and this was a good time as well. And they'd come round, and some of them were brilliant. Some of them would wear the clothes, and they'd do everything. They, they, they were brilliant. Others, you could see, they had no intention of wearing the clothes. They were taking the clothes to give to people. Yeah. Do you know, it was like, hey, mate, would you like a round T-shirt? But they, they weren't going to wear it. But a, a fair few of them did, in fairness, but it did. It got to the point whereby they were... You know, they were literally clearing out the warehouse. The funny thing is, though, I tell you what I did find is their sizes changed. We had to make to, we had to make a range bigger. <laughs> sample, you as, know, as rugby became a more muscly sport. Yeah. Or, or is it because they were? <laughs> as rugby became it's, a it's more, when they went off to the camp. As rugby <laughs> became a more muscly sport, as they trained harder. <laughs> Yeah, as they trained harder. But Gareth Thomas, he was no. he was always in a round t-shirt, wasn't he? You know, this is Gareth the, Thomas was the man. When it came to us, he was the man, and and he he treated us well. So so let's have less of this. Hey, you know, you don't want my stories, guys. You want Novak stories. Yeah, this no, is, he treated you know, us well. The, your stories yeah, are what we want. Mama Cass, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, he treated us. I raise you a Gareth Thomas. Yeah, no, he 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 was he appreciated what what was done for him by 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 a long way. And, and now from the highs, it's during your time working in double overhead that you suddenly realise the second kidney yeah. is also failing and then yeah. this was a massive health and well being. Yeah the second you, one the um the second one was the second one was was it started to fail and 
it, it was pretty hard because I, I sort of, I had a good, good life really. I had a good life. I had a good family, a good job, and 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 this thing is failing away, you know. And uh, I find that I I was again. I'm going to say, Brad treated me incredibly well, and he. Um, I decided that I was going to try and get a kidney from from abroad, and the Philippines was the place I was going to go. All, you know. I'm going to say legitimate. It was legitimate at that time, and uh, that's what I decided to do. But I was on dialysis. The reason I tried because I waited a while here. I was on dialysis, and I home dialysed. So basically, yeah, we I, used to come round and we, yeah, we no, taught you, you did to play very poker, good. Didn't yeah, we, yeah, you taught us to play poker. You were really good coming round because although I didn't sit on it for ages because I dialysed all of the time, I'm still sitting on there. But uh, I had to stick my own needles in my arm. You, you, you have a fifteen. You stick your needles in, and the blood then pumps around the machine. I'm doing it very, very pumps around the machine and acts like your kidney. And I would always need a bit of help doing it. This is a funny story now, and I'd need help doing it. Usually I could do it pretty good on my own, but I would need a little bit of help holding some of the stuff. And this time uh, George is helping me. Do you remember this, George? George is helping me doing the the needles. Yeah. And I stuck the needles in, and I hadn't connected it up properly, so I turned oh, the no. machine on, oh, no. and the blood was squirting everywhere. Oh. And I couldn't work out where this blood is coming from, and I'm thinking... <laughs> and George, George is, like, standing there, and he goes, Dad, I'm not sure I like this. And he's just standing <laughs> there, because like he can't do anything. But he goes, so much oh, God, like I, I'm not sure whether I like this. And the machine's going around the blood, and I'm trying to find out, God, like God, yeah. Christ, I can't find out why you put the wrong over. That fistula thing that they put in your wrist was a pretty horrid contraption as well, wasn't yeah. it? Because like, you came in and met some of my students, didn't you? I did, and, yeah. And, and I, I remember did, yeah. you inviting one of them to touch it, and this... Yeah, this guy jumped thrilled. like three foot in the it's air because it yeah. was like a, it was like an electronic buzzing yeah, kind like of a buzz. lump they, in your wrist. They put a fistula in. They change. They what they do is they they cut the the the, the artery and they connect it to a vein. And because uh, arterial pressure is greater than venous pressure, the vein gets bigger. It grows. Right. And it obviously grows. It can grow quite big. I mean, my my mine was quite an animal. It was quite a big thing up my arm. Um, basically, so you can get the needles in in in, in a bit better. So that's um, that was that. And it felt because the flow would go down your arm and then fizz back up. It felt like a. It's called a thrill. It just you can feel it going. But when someone touches it, they think there's a little pump in there or something. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that, but that was a massive part of me, that was. So you briefly touched upon there, Scof, that you travelled to the Philippines yeah. in search of the, a replacement kidney, and the BBC came along for the ride, didn't they, with a documentary team? They did, they and did. And it was aired on, it was certainly BBC Wales, I remember watching it at the time, and it was... It was week in, week out, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It, it was, was a weekend, week out, and when it was, yeah. And... Um, it was really quite moving, wasn't it? And it was well. It, it furthered the uh, debate, and I, so it was presumed, yeah, presumed I mean, consent didn't exist then. Of and, course, it was before that time, yeah. was, wasn't it? Yeah, it did. It, it before it must have we, helped. We did the opting out. We opting outside. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, I'd been on dialysis a fair while, and I can't remember how long, but a fair while. But it reaches a point that, um, and I sort of reached that point. Dialysis is is fine, but you can. 
sort of only be on it so long before you start going down a tipping point you'll never get back from. So even if they bung a kidney in, you're never going to be back to, you are going to give you damage. It's not a perfect solution. And I know you said you were, because you were, you were doing it so often, you didn't have to spend too much time on it. But again, even an hour or two a day, I imagine is super restrictive. It is, yeah. And I mean, It means you have to plan everything. That's the worst thing. I, what I what I did, what, what I was allowed to do, which was was good for me, is I did a couple of hours every day, so that meant that I could virtually eat and drink quite normally. But what I couldn't do is anything impulsive. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't. If I surfed, I would have to do two hours. So I'd have to fit everything around it. Like if you said come down the pub, I couldn't miss a session. Mm -hmm. Or if I missed the session, I'd have to double up the next day, and then you know sometimes yeah, I'd think it's not worth day, it. It's yeah. not worth the double up, so I'm not going to bother doing it. So, yeah, it was it was just hard work, really. I even look at it now and think it was hard work. But you know that made it bearable. That I, the I still kept yeah. working. That prompted going away and seeing if I could. Which, I mean, uh, buy a kidney, basically. I mean, in, a, in in the end, it it wasn't a successful trip. No. In terms that you didn't get a kidney from that trip. No. But, um, it was almost, I think, a, pretty much a year to the day afterwards, the phone rang. It was. On West Park Drive. And yeah, the phone. There were, I, I mean, I literally, because I'm, a, I'm a, a relatively rare blood group, not super rare, but relatively rare, like 10% B rhesus negative, like 10% of the population. Yeah. Nowadays, they can do a lot more, though, with different blood groups and stuff, so it's not quite, quite as hard. And I reached the point that... Uh, I thought this was it, you know, and I was trying to really, I started to try and get my mind around the fact this is it, this is, this is where you're at, like, so just make the most of it. And then um, the phone rang. Now, funny enough, every, I've, I've had it done, I had the phone ring twice. Now, by what I say, the phone ring, the phone rings and they tell you they've got a kidney, you've got to pack Which your bags and you've got to Which means that somebody young and in good health Well, it doesn't even matter if they're young, it means some someone poor in good person health. or some nice person has lived their life, you know, as much as they can and they've had an accident and yeah. obviously they've been good enough to donate their kidneys or their organs or whatever they do. So someone is being sad. But on, I think George answered the phone on both of those occasions, as I remember. And uh, the first one I went in, all excited, ready to go. And basically it was a false start. They did my blood test and they said, oh, it, it's, there's a few antigens they're not happy with. So I get sent home without anything and then another guy gets brought in and he has a go. So I was just sent, oh, God, I'm off home again. Yeah. But on the second ring, it was, um, it was okay as it happened. And, yeah, it was okay. That, it, was, it was, that was around 2008, I think. I was... I remember coming to visit. It was about two thousand out, yeah. And uh, Yeah. So yeah. I was slower that time. The first time I had my kidney I got up really quickly. It was a big wait as well for the drugs to you know, cause you, Kick for, in. to start working because because your body fights a, a, an alien organ, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? Now the crazy thing about that was was the first one worked straight away. My mum's did, so they put it in and it worked straight away. The second one is they put it in and it was fine, but it didn't work. It just didn't work. So I'm sitting there, I've come up from having the kidney thinking, great, but it wasn't working. So they leave you sort of fill up with fluid, and I mean fill up with fluid. And uh, 
it went seven days and I'd have a tube, you know, catheter in me and a little bit would come out, like a little ditty bit would come out and nothing, you know, no, nothing good. And then for some reason the catheter went a bit dodgy so they had to take the catheter out and the day after they did that, it was like on the seventh day, I couldn't stop pissing. Which I is good news. I couldn't stop pissing so the kidney had booted into gear and off it went. It wow. just started going. And then it was just like they call it sleeping. They did a biopsy of it, you know, they, they stab it and take a little and they said, No, everything's fine with it, there's nothing wrong. But apparently it was just sleeping they call it. Yeah. Back and in then the water. it woke up and then yeah, I was I was back. I didn't I I didn't sort of I came back okay. But each time the mountain's a little harder to climb, you know. Mm. So uh but yeah, I was okay. I I could surf and I could play golf. And I could do those things. Um, yeah, it was good. It, 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 it was really good, yeah. And we'll, we'll, nowadays you still have to take drugs to deal with the immune system. You take it, oh, I take it all the time. I mean, those drugs have really, uh, they've affected me all the way through. Well, they've affected me really badly now, as it turned out. Because from there... Um, what was I, five or six years after that, I had um, tonsil cancer. So that that was pretty bad. I didn't feel bad or anything, you know, I didn't feel very bad. I felt okay as it turned out, but I wasn't. I think you were in Australia then, weren't you, George? Mm -hmm. George is in Australia, and... Yeah. And he had to come back, did he? I, yeah. I remember telling you. Oh, we were at Manly, weren't we? Yeah. We were, yeah. yeah. After we'd been in the pub. Yeah. Very I emotional. Know, I, think I, I think we found out in. Oh, it was the night before you were going back, wasn't it? West, yeah. Or I think we found out. When we I were remember. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was. Um, it was gutting, really, because I sort of. It's one way. I go. I go. I go every month. I used. I go every month to get my bloods tested, and. Um, I was just hoping I could get through that month and then go on to the next month and then go on to the next month. Yeah. And I remember I, I was touching my under my jaw and I could feel just a little lump. I said, Joe, what the that is there? She goes, oh, nothing is, so it's just a gland. And when you go into these clinics, any lumps and bumps, they go mad. And it was like as if bloody, from feeling okay, you know, my kidney was okay. And I'm thinking, all oh, right, I'm getting another month. Just the shit at the fan. It was done really quickly though, but the shit that's on, you know, and then you're away. So I've said to you a few times that you should get a job. Well, get a job, is that the right word for it? <laughs> you could be a motivational speaker. I mean, I remember you coming in and talking to my students that time. No, I, I'm... But you've, you've got something. You've learned no. something that from, from that. that. You've made a really interesting point a moment ago, Scott, and you, you said that each time that there's a kind of a hill to climb, Getting back up after it becomes mm. that much more difficult. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean, you do it time and time again, and some you, you, as Tom's kind of alluding to here, there must be kind of a method to that. Perhaps you find uh, a positive, a, a glimmer of. Yeah, of that. Hope. Well, that's what I do. That that is. Um, I mean, in 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 all of them, I do. I mean, I've had. I, I mean, I don't know how far forward you want to go, but. I've I've always tried to, or I always try, even in most stuff I do, I'll try and find the one good thing, just the one good thing. It may be over in the corner, but it's a good thing. 
you know, I use it with Joan when, if you're tidy in a really dirty room, some people don't know where to start, it's, it's chaotic. But if you can find one thing, it's sort of like, right, I'll put all the greens over there. And as you put the greens there, you make space for the blues. Do you see what I mean? So suddenly you've got a pattern going here. So from my point of view, it would be, uh, you know, I'm okay. I can actually, let's say, it's hard for me now, but I can walk around the golf. That's good. I can do that. I'll go and do that. I'll play golf. And then I may play a bit better golf. And I think, great, that's really good. I tell you what, I don't feel so bad now. I think I'll do, you know, and I try and build on that one positive rather than, focus too much on the negative it's very difficult to do sometimes though. You, it's not like but, a, but you are a very positive person because people always want to hear you know hear your wisdoms hear your motivation you know you've got you've had a big, big impact on a lot of people's i lecture lives. i lecture <laughs> people that's what i do i yeah, lecture. good way though. we enjoy it we can oh, I, get, uh, I mean you know the thing about the, that golf analogy about like you know the the um Everyone can can hit yeah, everybody a perfect can hit a couple perfect of shots shot in a row. I can. I can see where I'm standing, and you're telling it to me and George, and George is like his head's swaying and he's yawning, <laughs> and he's like almost mouthing the words behind you. <laughs> I but see like them that, all that, the time. You know the, the, that sits behind my own biggest yeah. success, in, you know, as a surfer. So so it's it, it's huge the impact you've had on other people's lives. But everybody takes stuff you say in different ways. You know, some people, you know, some people have said stuff to me. Uh, in passing that I've taken on and I, I've, I've taken it on really seriously like uh, you know I, I tell a story your dad told me about him being a being a bricklayer now I don't know how true it was when he told me but he'd go to the first place and he'd learn that he couldn't lay bricks at all <laughs> couldn't this, lay yeah, bricks at all just having come back from Morocco and he was trying to in some way to go back and he the, goes to the first yeah he goes to the first uh, I mean maybe easier in those days but he goes to the first job and he's like looking and he watches a couple of by, he lays a few bricks, a guy says, what the fuck are you doing? And then, then he has to go back then. Then the next time he goes to the next one, he can do a bit more. And the next one, by the time he's done three, he's saying he can lay bloody bricks and he, he's a brickie now, off he goes. And, and, and I'm just saying it's a certain thing that you, you learn just bit by bit, you know, you just... Now then... Yeah. Uh, you're starting to sound like the scope we know and love there because I know it's hard talking about some of the stuff we've just been talking about. So now that we've got you there, mm. we've got you as that version of scope. Let's move on to some of the areas in which you are very opinionated. Let's uh, let's let's yak a bit oh, about. God. Let's get you up on a few of your. I was just starting to think. This is the most I've ever been able to say in in the presence of Papa Scope. Wow. <laughs> Well, because normally you'd be lecturing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, normally it'd be right, you listen lecture. to me now. Guys. Only I talk, just Come sit on, right. and listen. Lecture us then, right? Well, let's start with this one, right? In the next episode after this, we're having a debate about jocks and purists, right? Let's get your mm. thoughts on this, right? Um, Joel Tudor, apparently, is the sort of, uh, the, the person who gave the quotes. Apparently it was to Surf Europe about how, you know, surfing, surfers are not athletes, um, surfing isn't a jock sport. We'll leave that for football, you know. And he means he means American football. Um, surfing has got some kind of like countercultural origin that we sh- well that we should. Rob and I have sort of almost set ourselves up as kind of opposites on it. Although we probably find, well, let's not admit that we find common yeah, ground until we finish until we finished our debate. Um, where do you stand on this then? The state of modern surfing that. Is it, is it now a jock sport? Is it, has it lost its roots or was it you're, always that? You're implying that is it a sport that is, it's a full-on sport which is 
competition and you go for it, or is it more of a lifestyle? Well, well I think we've got a bit lost in your description there because I think the the debate centres people always do more about whether <laughs> it should we should be kind of promoting that jockification of surfing, and I define the jockification of surfing as being changing surfing into something else, another sport, where and kind of neglecting to acknowledge the the kind of the culture and the history of it. So I think you you kind of termed it quite well there when you said is is surfing all about competition is it super serious all the time or should we also acknowledge the 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 reason we all started certainly here to have fun i mean from my funny enough this this sort of thing was a discussion that that we we used to have in in work as well really is uh, that has the sort of everybody that does stuff in there or the brands do stuff they focus on the surfers that do well in competitions and yet those very surfers that do well in competitions rely on i'm saying we rely on rest bay car park being full of people buying quicksilver billabong and all of that that you know they don't they probably wouldn't even know who's world champion they wouldn't even know who's the name they'd come up with, the Kelly Slate, is going to be world champion for the year, dot, as far as they're concerned. The same way as, a little bit like golf, Tiger Woods is still yeah. the, the, the main man. But Kelly Slater is, they, most people, most people who buy surfboards, who buy wetsuits, are doing it because the lifestyle is banging. And it is, isn't it? Let's face it, boys. The smell of that salt in the morning when you go down the beach, that... Fresh salt from the the the, the 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 mist and everything in it, and the sun is shining. You, you know, you know when you've had your surf, you're going to take your wetsuit down. The sun is going to wrap itself around you. Christ, who wants to play golf? Isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, that's just you 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 couldn't get better. That's just, and everybody wants that. Even the guys that compete. Now, from my point of view, that that to me is. Those are the times I remember probably more than I remember competing, you know. I, I remember competing, and it is nice to be good, and it is nice for people to, to sort of say some of the nice things you said about me. But, you know, all of those, it, yeah, I, I just think it, it, if you can enjoy it, and, and those things, those things as I just described, both of you smiled. Because both of you yeah, have I was kind it. of there, I was on the beach. And, and, and both of you have gone down. Well, everybody that's ever surfed has looked for that day. I don't know why this is, though, right? But in terms of, like, being there, I was thinking, OK, you know, I know what happened. I was thinking, you were talking about it being sunny, and I was thinking, gosh, mm. it's not sunny that often here in Wales. And some of us, you know, we've got to, if you want to be a Welsh surfer, you've got to live for, like, yeah, those, yeah, those yeah. big winter days. And I was thinking, you were talking about that, and you were romanticising, right? But I can see vividly the sight of you calling other people off because you're deepest. It's a big winter day in the point. On the point. You're, yeah, you're yeah. deepest. There's Brad, there's Simon, there's like Gary Lewis is in there. It's like, the, it's like the, that tough mm. crowd that it's impossible to yeah, get a yeah. good wave from. And then it's like, got it! And then there's you deepest taking off. And that is a... That's a that's a jock moment, isn't it? Surely, you know, you've you've defeated the other guys in the lineup to that. Not one. now, because Rhino would be go. deep. He'd be another fifty yeah, yards. Yeah, he's straightened out and going up the rocks. <laughs> he, he'd be still. He'd be still. For, he'd be at the bloody lighthouse. But I was seeing that, and I, you know, and 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 that's another moment. You know, that kind of feeling. You know, the the 
I, I think, though, that sometimes, though, I don't know top. this. You've got off on that. I don't, in the I, I don't know this, and it would be really... It, we'll never find it out. But I don't know whether if I... If I hadn't competed and done well, would oh, I have still been... Be, no, no, would I have still been surfing? Right. Would I have still enjoyed it as much? Or would you I know, I know, I know Brad still enjoys it as much as he probably did before, you know, and there are people, but I'm saying me, how, how, right. how, how I, how I, I did, how I went around my business. I reckon I can ask you a few sort of psychometric type questions then to Go try and help diagnose that. Is Go diagnose the right word? Yeah. How many times in your surfing life have you gone cruising on a single fin and say, you know, like, go, right, I'm going to two, three foot point today and I'm going to take a single fin in and I'm just going to style and I'm not going to worry about my performance level. A pregnant uh, no, pause. I, 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 yeah, I don't really know if that's got anything to do with the jockification. I, I, I would say that... Well, no, coming on from jockification, if he's, okay. he's asking me, you're saying, I don't know if, if I wasn't someone who'd won contests, would I have carried on into that mm. sport? And I'm saying, OK, well, there's a test, right? Can you enjoy cruising on a single fin? Because that's got like zero I might to have, do with. That. I, I I might have been able to. Zero if adrenaline either. I might have zero been adrenaline a, either. Shouts George. I, I might have been able to if uh, if I didn't. You know, I don't know whether whether Simon Brad did the same thing. I'm sure they did. I went in the sea to get better. Yeah. So if I rode a single fin. So it's about performance. Yeah. Uh, it turned into that. It yeah. definitely, definitely, definitely didn't start that way. I didn't start play. I didn't start surfing because I wanted to be a good surfer. I definitely didn't do but that. But it became that. I didn't know that. I didn't know because I wasn't. I don't think I was particularly good at, at you know, in school I was okay at the, you know, the rugby and the stuff, but I wasn't like the, the best guy. I, I, you know, I didn't. I, I, I wasn't like Mr. Excel. You know? I've got one for you then, Scove. So, I think you're the kind of one of the perfect people to ask because you've had those great competitive successes, mm. but you all were also kind of in your heyday was kind of just around the time that surfing was kind of starting to lose that that I really re reluctantly say the word kind of hippie. But yeah. That's only how it was viewed no, it from did. the outside, maybe it not did, from yeah. the inside, but that. Um, and a kind of that uh, travelling and exploring yeah. kind of phase, and you actually had a taste of that, didn't you? Um, in the Canary Islands, you yeah, spent a lot of time over there. Canary Islands is, was really good, yeah. And that that point that you're changing, where it changed from hippie, was thanks to bloody. I, Sean, I wish I hadn't used that word. Thanks, but that's how it was thanks, perceived thanks, from the outside. Thanks to Sean it? Thompson, because he turned up, had his hair cut and everything. Because Andy Martin and we in, in all wandered down. Two, talked about him, didn't he? Mm. With you know, said the same things. You know that yeah, gone. We we all cruised down to wherever I can remember him being. In there's still photos of him around. The other day I saw some up, and he was down there. And he was slick, and his hair was cool, and he just looked so like look at this guy, and we're there with hair like we saw in a photograph all over the place, but yeah. great when it was wet. And we all came back and cut it nice and neat and tidy <laughs> and sort of we're Mr. Slick. And we then, rather than not the sweatshirts inside out, they all became the right way. And, you know, some people may have loved it going that way. I went that way. I can't say that, that I didn't. I was part of those people yeah. that drove it towards being competitive. You know, and here's me sitting back going, oh, I don't particularly like it. But at that time, 
you know, that's what happened to it. And it did, it definitely, there was a like a, a clunk over it. But I tell you what, mind, at that moment in time, I think some of us, you know, in a little part of us, thought we could be professional people. Yeah. We thought, because remember, professional surfing at that time was Sean Thompson and Rab Bartholomew. They'd not long gone pro. Mm -hmm. They were like the first pros. So we thought we could be sort yeah. of a pro-like. And Nigel Simmons was going pro. We thought we could, well, we, we, we could make... And, and, you know, there were teams... Well, Carwin, Carwin did, didn't he? Carwin yeah, but was... there were teams everywhere. We, we were... We were paid money to go away through the winter by people. Like, Girl Wetsuits would give you 500 quid expenses to go and fly. Which then would get you a to, good to, trip. To, to get you to Tenerife for the winter to sort of... So you're thinking, right, you know, I'm getting it now. I'm actually training in Tenerife. Okay. So... You kind of bridge that gap then. Yeah, so, like so those things, you know, we, we, a lot of people were getting allowances to go... To, to go away as far as I was concerned. And we'd spend, like, two months in in Tenerife, which was brilliant Tenerife was when it was first, before, before, I mean, if you don't go to Tenerife, no, hardly any of the hotels were there and stuff, and you camp in what we called the desert, and there's like five-star hotels there now, you'd be plonked right in the middle of it, and I went there with Arwin, Arwin Davis, uh, Arwin yeah. Davis, yeah, and he was a great guy to go with, he's a little older than us, and he sort of, he did, he did sort of know the ropes, so he was really good, it was Arwin, and we had this flat in, um, it's still there. I think it's the Sol. It's the two massive towers in Las Cristianas. And we had this flat. And to this very day, I get photos now sent back and forth. Ian Bowen was there as well. Ian Bowen came with us. And to this very day, I don't know who rented the flat. I have no idea. I just know people came in and out of it. There was like, you know, four or five people all of the time. Yeah. One would go, someone would turn up. I don't know who rented it, I don't know whose it was, I couldn't tell you. It was just there were guys going in and out of it all the time. Ian Bowen used to be funny over there. He Ian Bowen, also there. known as Yanto, yeah. for, the, uh, for, for listeners who've had to cede uh, position he, to him in the point on yeah. a big day. He again was a nice guy to go away. All the guys are nice, you know, I'm not saying anything. You wouldn't, if, you weren't, if you weren't nice, you wouldn't go away with them, would you? So he was really good. We had a good time over there. there, there was, and we were sort of semi-pioneers. We weren't the first by a long way to go over there. But, you know, we were... The Spanish were a bit hassly, but we were... You know, we stayed there for ages. Absolutely. And it wasn't just Tenerife, it was the, that northern track in Fort Ventura. Yeah, I was, I was later to that, though. The guy who discovered that is Giles Davis. Forterman, isn't he? Forterman. That's what he was called. Yeah, Forterman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and quite rightly, too, because he doesn't get the credit that he got for actually the northern track, because he lived there. You know, he's one of those guys, I think, that if you went there, Jazz would pop up and you'd think, wait, where did you come from, Jazz? He was, he lived there. He surfed that well. He surfed it a lot and he surfed it well. How much of modern surfing do you watch? You've seen, you've seen the stuff that... I watch... Italo Ferrer. Yeah, Dino, I watch, i, I got to admit, I'm a, I'm a, I'm Marks, a Facebook uh, watcher. Yeah. And it, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. It's, it's, it's beyond, it's beyond thinking that I, I could do it really. It's sort of. Do you, do you actually think that then? So you, you they, think they that do stuff that. If you, you had know, your time, if your time had been now, you don't think I would you'd love be to flying think, through the. I, I would love to think I could. I, I, 
oh, I'd love to think I could do. I'd love to fly through the air. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd like to live in this era, but I would like to. I don't. I'd like to surf in this area. I, I think. Take the knowledge think, and equipment back. I think doing. We spoke about this when we were when we were surfing. There was actually people, me included, would tell you you cannot do an air because you go backwards and the wave goes forwards. So how can you land an air? You can't. Right. It cannot be done. So the line is drawn, you know, it's like it cannot be done. And now, literally, a surfboard is a skateboard, isn't it? It is literally a skateboard now. And they're doing stuff which is insane. And I watch it and and I think it is. And also the re-entries they do. I mean, even when I was back surfing, when they were doing like re-entries, I was always a re-entry man. You know, the board goes up in the air and the board comes down. Where they were doing it from, like the tail goes up in the air, didn't it? You know, the tail goes up in the air and the board comes down. They didn't even get the nose over the top of the wave. They got the tail over the top of the wave. And all of those things are just insanely good. I mean, each one runs on though. I will say that. You learn to do, and this is the big one, there's, there's a starting point of anything. Like there's always a starting point if you did, if you can do, for instance, if you can do a backhand bottom turn, you can do a forehand cutback. And so if you can take off and turn like that, you should be able to take off and turn like that. So every manoeuvre will build your repertoire up. So I'm assuming that if you take that as, as a logic, that once you can do so much of an air or so much of that, then everything locks into place that, oh, I can do that, so I can do this. Do you, do you, do you get I what do. I mean? Yeah. Everything is built on it. It looks very complicated when you look at it as a whole, but if you break it down, there'll be lots of bits that are the same bits, you know, like, like everything. Absolutely. Talking of uh, high performance and professional surfing, you travel pretty widely as part of the British team, so yeah. Australia, South Africa, USA, and there's a great story that you told me before, I think it was in Australia, and you saw someone do a, like a proper backhand snap yes. for the first time, and it, was it the same event that you were we kind of intimidated, you didn't want to go in the water because you didn't think you were no, I, as I, good as these guys? I, I, can, I can remember that really vividly, you know, again, I can't speak for, for cause Bad was there, and Simon was there, and Carlin was there. Full Welsh team, but yeah, yeah. part of Team Britain. Yeah. Team uh, I can remember going down to Jaramba, and Jaramba's got two. It's got an outside reef and it's got an inside. And I think it was the outside reef we watched him. And I believe it was a guy in a yellow wetsuit. And he was doing these backhand snaps. And I had never seen anything like it. He was coming. I don't know what we were doing before. I think we were just going up to the top and coming down. Yeah. Literally just... This guy was going, coming off the bottom and whacking the top of the wave. And they were surfing so well. And again, this is back to probably me feeling that I wasn't good enough to be in the British team. You know, I was looking at them thinking, I'm not good enough to be. I'm not good enough to be here. You know, these guys are the guy that is surfing out there that isn't even in the Australian team. And I'm surfing by him, looking like a gook in my lovely (laughs) kit, like, and thinking, who are you? I'm in the British team. Again, that that kind of, like, that mentality. Yeah, I... I, Competitiveness comes back, though, and you were 
as you we've heard through, time and time again throughout this this interview, you were so dedicated to improving to the point where you felt you were perhaps intimidated to go in. Oh no, I was, I was hundred percent. But with all that dedication and that time spent trying to better yourself or better your surfing and become the best, do you feel that perhaps sometimes you missed out on the kind of the peripheral fun? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, you're so focused on that that goal. I think I did. I. I I've said this a few times to probably George really. I look and I think sometimes the guys who are, I'm not saying they're not good surfers, but semi-finalists and stuff like that, they enjoy the whole of the competition. It's less focused on the yeah. end goal. Whereas, you know, I know now, funny enough, because I, I, I've read about it, if you go now to and you stay in a hotel where the golf, the pro golf tours mm -hmm. are, every one of those is in bed by nine, and they eat their meal in their room, and they have the breakfast in the room, there's just rows of trays, and apparently it's the European guys that'll go, oh, are you off out for a meal? And they all go out for a meal and they have a meal, which you would think you'd want to do. The Americans but Americans anywhere, really. are like, I'm stuck, this is my job, I'm, I'm in yeah. here, I, I'm, I'm out to win. It wouldn't matter if they were playing in Dubai or... Correct. In Correct. They're just in a hotel, they're going to a golf course, they don't go out. And I'm not saying that I would have, and I'm not saying I did, but I'm just making a point that sometimes when you try your best to win, you, are, you can miss out on a lot of other things. That when you look back in later life, you think, oh, I, I would have preferred to have a great time doing that. You, than actually, I'm sure there's than plenty of people winning. that didn't focus yeah. on that would have perhaps to, Maybe. preferred to have done that. And Maybe, yeah. I can like. honestly say every time I went in the sea, I, I did my best. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't drunk the night before yeah. or I wasn't bad. Like, you know, there are people that will get so hammered, they get up and they can hardly surf in mm -hmm. their heat. Now, I can honestly say I never did that. If anybody, if anybody, when people beat me, and a lot of people did, they, they would beat me fairly. Like, mm -hmm. I, I was on top song, you know. It wasn't because I was drunk. When and how are we getting you back in the sea again then? Christ, this body got lucky to get up the stairs, let alone get out the back. Doesn't look that way to me. No, and I've seen, I've seen George's Instagram, you're out there on the golf course now. Travelling very fast actually. I got a, yeah, yeah, have you seen that? Thanks to a Segway. Yeah. I got a Segway that takes me around the golf course. Yeah, I struggle you, a little. You did say to me before, equivalent. though, yeah, you did say to me before that you thought that getting in the water and cruising would, uh, would be... I would as accessible. Do you know, as I think I'm. Um, I'm think think deep down. I'm sort of. I'd be really nervous about it. Yeah. I, I what I did was when when they did this one of my it was the for the tonsil cancer, they they mess about with 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 your arm and your muscles in the arm. When when I first I couldn't paddle properly, so this arm would push push right. the water. Literally, they wouldn't come up enough, and yeah. I push the water, and I went in the water in. And Tenerife, and it was just like, nah, this is just sort of like. What about an SUP? I got one in my house. I can inflate it and bring it round tomorrow. Christ, what? Going to water tomorrow? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it's. Um, I would like to. I it's, it's, I sort of. I I I sort of. I I I dream. I'd like to. All right. But on the same thing, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. 
Are we going to make this happen, George? We're going to get him in the water. I think it's a full like blocking maneuver. We just absolutely easy. Yeah, everybody in. I'd probably alright if it was small and I'd be on a on a uh, I believe what are they called softboard. Yeah, I may be alright on one of them, but no. But then if I went on softboard, no, you know I might grind and I don't want to do that. I am. Oh God, it's just I'm. Everything is hard work. I tell, like I say, I live in pain, man. Pa- apart pain's, from, apart from pain's telling... my friend. I'm learning to pain to be my friend. Right, but <laughs> you're, 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 you're just as chirpy and as full of beans and, you know, the way I you... I try to be. I'm not always mine. When they, um, when they found cancer in my, um, my lip and they cut my lip off, that, that was a massive issue. Yeah. That was a huge issue. That was that 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 was the biggest one of, of them all to get over. Because right. I felt that it, um, well, it has it. It's deformed you, and and I think some of the issue with that was was when I've had other operations. There's been a sort of build up to it. There's been a build up to it, where this one was literally. I went in in the morning, and I came out looking well, not like this because it's stretched like. Jesus, sucking through a straw in the afternoon. So there was no sort of, it was like, Jesus. And I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. So um, when I woke up from that, it was... Uh, Again, another a pretty big hurdle, substantial yeah, hurdle. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of these hurdles come, though, and because I'm on drugs for my kidney, and I... I Remember back in back in the eighties, we didn't have sun cream, or we had it, but we didn't use it very good. The idea of going brown was you go red and then you go brown. <laughs> There's no like shading of brown. It's either red yeah. and then you go brown and you peel a bit, which is good because that skin underneath doesn't. So it, you know, all of us, you, you, and all of that sun that I had, and all of the sun on my on my on my face and everywhere has come home that this may have happened to me when I was if I lived to 90 it may be the same thing do you see what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. but at 90 they probably wouldn't do anything about it right. it's just because I take the drugs it, it it's it's yeah. just quicker with me but yeah the, the this was the hardest one let's this was a dark place yeah well you know and again you found the positive though as you mentioned earlier you yeah. find the little positives and that, that there was one that when I say I had to dig in, this one was one that I had to dig in. Well, let, let's in let's look at one of the biggest positives in your life right now by turning our necks towards the hot tub over there in the corner of the garden and George. Lucy's nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> and George, you know the, the way George speaks about you, um, you're his hero. You're our hero. And now, partly because it's actually quite a cold evening now. The birds have stopped chirping. Mm. And uh, I'm quite... I want to see George shiver a bit. And I'm also looking forward to jumping in that hot tub myself shortly. I reckon we're going to try and see if we can get George out now. Are we going to get the floor all wet? Is producer Dodd going to get get wow, freaked out about the mics? About the, the, the water and the wires? Let's get George in front of the mic now. Come and tell George your dad how much of a legend he is. Yeah. Are we going to confirm that, that he Mark's knows, going... He knows... He knows... <laughs> Oh, look, producer Dodd has moved the chair out of the way I now. Know, look, he's, 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 he's scared, isn't he, Scope? He's scared of getting cold, no. don't you think? He's never sat, sat there and done it to me on everyone. Don't, we don't do it, Tom. Don't, EBI. I know what he thinks. Yeah. Well, you heard it there from your son, George. Yeah. Um, and from Rob and I. You know, you're, you're a, lot, a lot of people that, you know, you, you respect and admire, they have you as their hero. 
and uh, that is that's not been earned lightly. You know, it's not. Well, you're not just the people's hero because you're a bit cool and you know you served good. It's it's the whole package of who and what you are. I don't think I deserve that hero bit, but it's very nice of you. Thank you. It really is, but I don't think I deserve it. I just do. Those lectures we've we, received. We do. I wonder how many hours between us we've no, sat and I, I, I do lecture. I Not do enough. Lecture. Not enough. I can see movement in the hot tub. I said, trying to not pee myself. <laughs> no, I do. I, 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 am a, I, I am a bit of a lecturer. Right. In the best way, and we, we, we love it. And, yeah, I actually, I, I, it's funny, really. I actually like people's points of view. That's what I say. And unfortunately, well, you always play I, a bit of devil's advocate. I, you? I, I, you broke the topic, and then we spoke about this. They've changed the, um, the zodiac signs, haven't they? Because I am a Libran, so that means I am sort of meant to be the scales. Yeah. And I do, and it, it I know it upsets George terribly. I, I will always fall on, or most of the time, you know. Although I know this is the right side, I'll always argue for that. For the, well, like you, I will always say you that just you just set yourself up completely then, because I put forward the argument that you're a legend, and you just said that you knowingly have taken the side that you yeah. uh, that, that that is not right. So, yeah, so there it is. Right. It, there you, you that's it. <laughs> you're done. You're a legend, and, yeah, it, and you failed it. to dispute it. There you are. So yeah, but that's why the star signs have changed. Just <laughs> <laughs> right, say I'm not so a legend. It's uh, it's as always. Um, we've had an absolute ball talking to you and how have you in, enjoyed your first visit to the the garden studio it's funny isn't it in, in your own house in your own house but isn't it it's funny when you you start talking about certain stories it kind of it drags memories that you haven't well you haven't ever thought about since the day they happened it really has and and i want to thank you two guys because if anything that's one thing it's done and it's been really nice you've um you've made me think about stuff that i haven't thought about for a long time Things that I did when um, when I was with Brad, um, like with Andrew, the first time with Andrew and stuff, just things, and then going even further back and remembering the trips in there. And those things have been really nice for me to sort of bring forward because I have a tendency, I've got to stay in this moment because, uh, you know, I know it sounds really bad and it sounds, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I don't moan all the time, but you know, it, it's a struggle, you know, and and I get, I do get upset a little bit that I can't do stuff. I get frustrated. Like I would love to be able to go in the sea. I'd love to be a fit and healthy 56 year old, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying why me, but I do think as well that um, some of the issues that I do get have, I'm gonna say, made me a better person than I probably would have been. We'll never know that. Yeah. But I look a bit again. I'm I'm taking a positive. I I, I hope that I it sort of made me more, uh, you know, just a nicer person because of it. You know, I may have been like, yeah, I won the Welsh. I did this. I I'm I'm this. I'm the greatest. Where now I I I, I don't look at him as as being that. You know, I look at him as I I was. I caught the right wave at the right time. I had the right the, board. I had the right board. I had the right judge, I had the guy liking me. I don't know, God, in those days, the judge may have marked you wrong. <laughs> so I had all of those fell my way, which was, which was nice and, and it's been good. But I thank you guys for, for you know, letting me chat about it's it. It's been really. our absolute pleasure. And you, uh, dear listeners, we hope you um, have enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed recording it. 
Next week, at long last, it's time to pick a side as we try to put to bed once and for all the question of jockification. Is it good for our beloved surfing or does it spell disaster for the sport? Yes, Rob and I, along with a sympathetic recruit each, will go head-to-head in a moderated debate. Expect fireworks, or at least a few laughs, as we attempt to win the favour of our carefully selected adjudicator. Regardless of your allegiances or the eventual winner, you are sure to be entertained. And remember that you can hear that episode and all previous ones by searching and subscribing to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you want to get in touch with a story, comment or critique, you can email us at castcrest at gmail.com. All that remains to say is a huge and heartfelt thank you to Mark and the family Schofield for your hospitality. Hey, George, you should have got out of that hot tub. Yeah, (laughs) and and of course you, the listener. Until next time, stay safe, stay stoked, and we'll see you in the water. Goodbye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye.